Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for each person who's here this morning. We know that nothing happens by chance in your kingdom. So, Father, we ask that you would be our teacher this morning, Lord, and I pray that each person here would be just ready and receptive to what you want to minister to our hearts. So, Lord, we love you and we praise you, Lord. May you be glorified during this time, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. Let's catch you up real quick where we're at. You know, last week and the week before, we saw how we're in the last night of Jesus' life. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's just hours away from being arrested. And John 13 through 17 is called the Upper Room Discourse. It's where Jesus is communicating his heart and his passion and his, just his encouragement to the disciples right before he goes away to be crucified. He's going to be leaving the ministry in their hands after his resurrection, and he's preparing them for what's about to come. But remember in chapter 13 that Jesus started by washing their feet. He showed them the heart of a servant. Though he was about to go to the cross, he girded himself and washed their feet. But then he gave them some pretty heavy-duty news. He told them first that one of them would betray him. We know that he was speaking of Judas. But all the people in the room, these, these 12 guys who've been hanging out with Jesus for three years, had no idea who it was. Because Judas on the outward looked like a man who was following God, but God knew his real heart. We need to be cautioned by that as well, that not just be, it's not how we look before men that matters, it's who we are before God that matters. And then he told them after that that he was going to be going away and they could not follow him. And there was probably no doubt some immediate tension among the disciples because they said, well, wait a minute, one of us is going to betray you and then you're going to go away and we cannot follow. But Lord, you know, we dropped our nets to follow you. We, we left, I left my job as the tax collector, Matthew might have said. Uh, you know, I left my family behind. I left everything, Lord, to come and follow you and now you're going to leave us? What are we going to do? He then followed that up by telling them that Peter would deny him. Remember, Peter was the most vocal, outspoken, boldest of all the apostles. And he said, you know, one of you is going to betray me, and Peter, you're going to deny me, and I'm going to leave, and where I'm going, you can't follow me. And so, Jesus then, beginning last week in chapter 14 and verse 1, he begins to give them seven promises. But before he does that, he reveals the heart of the disciples. He says, let not your heart be troubled. The only reason he would say, let not your heart be troubled, is they had troubled hearts. They were afraid, they were anxious, they were worried. What are we going to do? And he was preparing them because not only all the things I've just said, but also Jesus was about to be arrested. And he was going to be crucified. And they were going to run into hiding. And he knew what was about to take place. And he wanted to prepare their hearts. He wanted them to be ready for the difficulty that was to come. But then he said to them, let not your heart be, be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. He then again gave them seven promises. And I want to encourage you that no matter how difficult the circumstances around us may be, God's faithful. And He loves you. And these promises that He gives to the disciples 2,000 years ago apply to every person in this room if you've given your life to Jesus Christ. And so last week we looked at the first three. And just to catch you up, the first one was, you're going to heaven. He said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And the good news is that no matter how difficult things might be around us, no matter how trying things may be, no matter how my health may be failing, no matter what's going on in my life, my finances are a difficulty, we have the promise of heaven. Amen? And you're going to heaven. Which means when this time, again, has come and passed, only the things we've done for Christ are going to matter anyway. And don't be so caught up in the physical and the things that are perishing. When we get to heaven, there's no pain, there's no death, there's no sorrow, there's no night, there's no tears. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be reunited with all that have gone before us. We're going to see the, the grandparents and the parents and the other family members that went to be with the Lord, and what an awesome day that will be. 
We'll be in a place where there's a mansion prepared for us. We'll be able to talk to guys like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Daniel and and all those things would be awesome, but there's nothing, none of that's going to compare to the fact that when we get to heaven, we're going to see Jesus. Amen? And we're going to see our Savior face to face. And so when you're going through difficulties and struggles and trials, remember that first promise that Jesus gave to his disciples at that moment that they were upset and uptight and worried. He said, guys, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You're coming to heaven. It's okay. The second promise he gave them was that Jesus is all you're ever going to need. He said that He is the way. We we talked about this last week. I encourage you to get the tape if you weren't here. He is the way, which means there is no other way. Amen? One way God said to get to heaven, and Jesus is the only way. In Acts 4.12 it says, There's no other name under heaven through which men must be saved. So Jesus Christ is the only way. Muhammad's not the way. Hare Krishna's not the way. Joseph Smith's not the way. Good works are not the way. Being popular before men is not the way. Uh, you know, no, there's no other way. It's Jesus Christ. He's not only the way, but he's the truth. You know, it says that, of, of Jesus Christ that he is the truth. And you know what's awesome to me is that he's the word, and his word is truth. And guess what? That means all other religions, all other men that people can follow are a lie. Because Jesus Christ is the only truth. You know what? Everybody else, every other religion that's out there is man trying to get you to take from you. Every other religion wants to take from you. Every other religion wants you to go out and prove your worth somehow. And the reality is that Jesus Christ is the only one who came to give to you. And he's just and he's the justifier. He is perfect and holy and righteous God. And that's the only reason that he can restore sinful man back to holy God. And as we talked about last week, Muhammad was a sinner, Buddha was a sinner, Hare Krishna's a sinner, L. Ron Hubbard's a sinner. All these other religious icons that people follow after are sinners, can't save you, but Jesus Christ can because he's God. Amen? And he proved it because he went to the cross and he suffered and died that we might have eternal life. And then he says he's the life. People are wanting, looking for the meaning of life. Let me tell you the answer to the meaning of life. It's one word. It's Jesus. Amen? You want to know what life's all about? You want to have direction? You want to have hope? You want to have peace? You want to have understanding? It's all about Jesus. You know what? It's 2,003 years since what? Since Jesus. I mean, the whole world revolves around him because he created it. Everyone else is a created being. He is the creator. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's Almighty God, and he is the life. And you know what? You can tell the difference. I've seen some of you, I knew some of you B.C., before Christ, before you came to know him. And I've seen you now walking in the Lord, and you're a different person. Amen? And the greatest miracle of all is that we can have a life in him. And you know what? Everybody else is walking in death, spiritually dead, separated from God. But he's a loving and a gracious God, and this is how much he loves you. Amen? So you have the promise of heaven. Jesus is all you're ever going to need, and you can know the Father right now is the third promise that he made. Unlike the non-existent gods of the cults, the false religions, our heavenly Father knows us and he loves us. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God is not a faraway God, you guys. People portray God as being so far away and we're this little speck of dust out in the universe somewhere and God has no time for us. That's not the God we serve. One of the names that he's referred to is Abba Father. And Abba Father means Daddy. And Daddy is never far away. 
Amen? Daddy's somebody you can crawl up in his lap and have that intimate fellowship with him. And so he's leaving them with these three promises already that we saw last week. You're going to heaven. Jesus is all you're ever going to need. And you can know the Father right now. So now we're going to pick up, and this morning we're going to look at four more promises that he gives throughout the rest of this chapter. The first one is that God hears and answers our prayers. You know what? We're going to see that in a minute. We'll go through it. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have the love of the Father, and we can have peace. So let's pick up in verse 12 of John 14. And the first promise we're going to look at this morning is that God hears and answers our prayers. Verse 12. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the work that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Whenever you see the word most assuredly in the Bible, it can also be translated verily, verily, or truly, truly. It means that Jesus is giving heavy emphasis to something. He's just told him that he's going away. But he says, you know what, when I go away, ministry's not going to stop, it's going to increase. I'm going away. It doesn't mean that the miracles are going to stop. It doesn't mean that the healing's going to stop. It doesn't mean that people's lives being transformed is going to stop. It doesn't mean that people coming to know me is going to stop. It's only going to increase. And guess who it's going to increase through? Through you guys. Now at the time, the 12 sitting around the table, one's, one, one had just left to deny the Savior, one, one or betray the Savior, one's out getting ready to deny the Savior, the rest of them are going to run and hide after the crucifixion. But praise God that there's, God's still going to use them. Because God's not looking how able we are, you guys. He's not looking how perfect we are, how clean we are, how righteous we are. But who we are in Him is what matters. And He can use any of us if we will just let Him. And He says, greater works than these are you going to do. Now I want to make it real clear. They're not going to do greater works in magnitude, but greater works in number. As Jesus would go away, again, the ministry would not die. It would only grow. And the works would not be done by the apostles, but by the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Aren't you glad that the work isn't done by you? I don't want to, I'll be honest with you guys, if it was up to me, we're in big trouble. Amen? Because I blow it. But praise God that the Spirit of the living God wants to use my hands, and wants to use your hands, and wants to use your feet, and wants to use your heart, and wants to use your mouth. He wants to use you, and He will use you in even greater ways than Jesus is being used on the earth because of the magnitude, the number of us. God will use us if we will just simply let Him. What's the greatest miracle of all? It's not healing the sick or even raising the dead. The greatest miracle of all is represented by you guys sitting in these chairs this morning. The greatest miracle of all is we were once sinners. We were blind and dead in our trespasses and sins, and now we're new creations in Christ. That is the greatest miracle of all. What greater things will we do? What greater things will we see as a church? We'll see more and more people pass from death into life. We'll see more and more people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Peter, very, not very many days from this, would speak after Pentecost and 3,000 souls would be added to the church in a single day. That's what Jesus is talking about. Look at verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, and the Father may, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus is going away to the Father, but He says, you know what? You can still ask in my name. You can still come to me. I will be in heaven, but I will never be far away. You'll still be able to pray in my name. God hears our prayers. You know what, guys? Prayer is not, is not a, you know, a magic potion of begging God. Too many people think that prayer is this thing where we, you know, we go before God and if we pray hard enough, pray hard, you know what I mean? Sometimes you think, if I grip my teeth and I just 
Or if I learn some really big and eloquent words, that'll, that'll probably work. If I say thuseth and thereth and things like that, you know, and I start praying, you know, grand prayers, then God will certainly listen to me. And we think that prayer is this thing where, you know, well, maybe if I'm on my knees and I've got them grinding in glass and I'm in pain and I'm suffering and I pray, then God will definitely hear that prayer better. And we have all these reasons and things that we do that we think will make God hear our prayers. But he says here, the key to hearing us, him hearing our prayer first is we must pray in Jesus' name. Amen? You can pray all the prayers you want in the name of Buddha, and you might as well be yelling down a well. Amen? Because Buddha's dead, and he's not interceding at the right hand of the Father. Muhammad is dead. Hare Krishna, you, know, you can't pray in the name of one of the saints. Saints are sinners, right? Sinners saved by grace. I can sit there and pray in the name of you know, St. Joseph all day long. That's not going to do me any good because we must pray in the name of Jesus. He's the one that intercedes. He's the one seated at the right hand of the Father. He's the one that makes that intercession for us daily. And it's only through Him that we can come before the Father. You know why you and I have to pray in Jesus' name? Let me tell you a couple reasons. Number one, you and I cannot come before holy God apart from Jesus. Right? Because we were sinners. And it's only through his shed blood and only through his work on the cross and only through his name that we can come into the presence of the Father. And so we must first, when we pray, it says there, pray in Jesus' name. But I want, to make, I want to make sure you understand this, that praying in Jesus' name is not a magic formula either. Well, I can pray for whatever I want as long as I throw that in Jesus' name at the end, right? Then it'll all work out great for me. And I've heard people do this. First of all, if you pray in someone's name, you're praying according to their will. Amen? If, you, if, you come, uh, and if I come in the name of my father, you know, I'm representing my dad to you, then I would be representing the wishes of my dad. And when I pray in Jesus' name, that means I'm praying according to what I believe is his perfect will. To know his name is to know his nature, to know his heart. Prayer should be to see God's will done on earth, not my will done in heaven. Remember that prayer doesn't change God's mind at what? changes our hearts and so when we pray we're not trying to get our will done you know lord it's lord help me understand your will help me to know your heart and so what happens though sadly is you hear people say things like lord i i I know that this this hottie at school isn't saved but but lord i you know could you work it out i mean in jesus name amen right Uh, you know lord i i just you know i really am just wanting that, that brand new car. I mean, it's looking pretty sweet, and Lord, I'll, you know, I'll drive people to church in it, but, you know, Lord, I really, really want it, and Lord, I, you know, I know it's a totally a fleshly desire, but would you give me that in Jesus' name? And we have all these prayers that we pray, and we pray them, and we throw in Jesus' name at the end. You know, give me the big house. I got Lord, make me famous. I just want to be famous, Lord. I want to be a famous actor, a famous athlete, Lord, and I want to do it so you will be glorified, Right? In Jesus' name, right? And we throw that in Jesus' name like it's this magic potion that somehow makes our prayers work. But in Jesus' name, when we pray in His name, it should be praying according to His will. Lord, I don't want anything that is going to get my eyes off of You. Lord, I don't want anything in my life that's going to keep me from serving You with my whole heart. Lord, I want Your will. I want Your path. I want to understand Your heart, Lord. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, according to His will according to his heart. So when we pray, we must first always pray in his name. Because whatever we ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What will ultimately happen when we pray in his name? What will happen is 
that God will be glorified. That's what it says in that verse. When we pray in His name, they won't be glorified. Right? Lord, make me, let me be the quarterback for the 49ers, I pray in Jesus' name, that you would be glorified, Lord. Amen. Right? I mean, whose glory am I really seeking? Right? Now, not that God won't use you in, in your field or, or whatever it might be, but the reality is that quite often our motives are, if we're really honest, about us being glorified. Our motive is about us being comfortable. Our motive is about us being blessed. And you know what? God wants to bless you. He loves you. But he wants to bless you that he might be glorified, not that you might be comfortable. Amen? He wants to bless you that his name would be magnified and lifted up. And again, it's not necessarily evil to desire these things, but we don't want anything that's going to take our eyes off of Jesus. And I'll tell you, there's an incredible peace and comfort that comes from knowing that the veil's been torn, that the Lord desires that we enter into his presence and have that intimacy with him. Be praying in his name. So we need to pray in his name. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Let me tell you some prayers that God will answer every time. Promise, every time. Lord, help me to love you more in Jesus' name, amen. Will he answer that prayer? Every single time. Lord, help me to understand. I'm gonna read your word right now, Lord. Lord, I'm gonna open up the Bible. Will you help me to understand your word? And Lord, I pray that you would use it to transform my life. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Will he answer that prayer every single time? Lord, help me to be a witness at work and at school. Help me, Lord, to be a reflection of you and to love you so much that it's contagious. In Jesus' name. Will he answer that prayer every single time? Why? Because those are prayers according to his will. Does he want to use you? Yes. Does he want you to understand his word? Absolutely. Does he want to conform you more to his image? Does he want you to have a deeper love for him? The answer is yes, 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 and yes. And you can pray in Jesus' name to all of those, and he'll answer them every time. When we pray amiss and we throw in Jesus' name on the end, it's not going to work. We're praying outside of his will. So to pray according to his name is to pray according to his will. So number one, you're going to heaven. Number two, Jesus is all you're going to ever need. Number three, you can know the Father right now. And number four, God hears and answers our prayers. Verses 15 through 18, the number, the number five promise, if you're taking notes, is we have the Holy Spirit. Let's begin. And verse 15, again, Jesus would be going away, but he's not going to leave them orphans. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that may abide with you forever. If you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus showed his love for us by going to the cross and dying in our place. We show our love for him by walking in obedience to his word. The greatest act of worship is obedience. It says in 1 Samuel 15, 22, to obey is better than sacrifice. The highest form of worship is walking in obedience. If you truly love God, you're going to say, Lord, I know that your will is perfect for me. I'm not going to challenge it, Lord. I'm going to obey you. Lord, you've given me your word. I'm going to walk in obedience to it because you're a loving heavenly father. And that's the highest form of worship. I can't tell you how much it blesses me as an earthly dad when my kids respond in obedience to my words. Amen, parents? Amen? Oh, yeah. If you tell you, you know, you really, here's what you need to, okay, you know what? You're my dad, you love me, I'll do that. Respond in obedience, right? That's worship when we do that with the Lord. We respond in obedience to his word. We say, Lord, I trust you. I believe what you've told me, Lord, and I'm going to walk in obedience to it. To the disciples, he's saying, if you really love me, obey my words even after I've gone. Don't just follow me because I'm standing right here. Obey me when I'm not here. Obey me when I've ascended back to the Father. Now that's the ultimate 
as a parent, isn't it? When you find out from somebody else that you were not there, and something happens, there's a circumstance surrounding your kids, and your kids turn and say, you know what, I know my parents wouldn't want me to do that, so I'm going to have to say no. Wow, that's major brownie points of mom and dad on that program, right? I mean, it's like, whoa, that's, now that's obedience, right? And you know what? The same is true with the Lord. He's saying, look, I'm going away, but I want you when I'm not standing right next to you, I want you to continue to honor me and follow my word. They were about, again, Jesus was about to be arrested. They were going to flee and go into hiding. They were unable to, in their own strength and abilities, keep his commands. But here's the good news. He says, keep my commandments, something they could not do, but then he tells them how they can he says, when I go away, verse 16, I'm going to send you another helper. So you say, well, you know, I can't obey God. You know what? You're right. You can't obey God. You can't do it. Peter, Mr. Bold as they come, Mr. Chopping off people's ears, right? Mr. Ready, fire, aim, Peter. How did Peter do when the little girl came up to him by the fire and said, oh, you were with Jesus? No, no, no I wasn't either. No, I wasn't either. Right? He started cursing. No, no, I, no, it wasn't me. That was someone else, right? I mean, here's Mr. Bold Peter. Why? Because he was doing it in his own strength. But this very same Peter would turn into a guy who was crucified upside down because he refused to be crucified the same way as his Savior, and he was bold unto death preaching the gospel. What happened to Peter by the fire shaking when a little girl was talking to him, to Peter being crucified upside down and having boldness for Almighty God unto death? What happened? The Holy Spirit is what happened to Peter. The helper came to live inside of him. He became a new creation in Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Amen? And when the Holy Spirit came in him, now he could keep God's commands. Now he could walk in the fullness of the Spirit. He could obey the will of God and do the Word of God. You can't do that apart from the Holy Spirit. And that's why he sent the Spirit to live inside of us. You know what? We had a couple people get saved last week, some other people get saved the week before that, some other people get saved last month and two months before that. Let me tell you what happened when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, whether it was last week, last month, or 10 years ago, or in my case, 35 years ago, praise God. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, He gave you a down payment on heaven. He gave you His engagement ring to being part of His bride. And you know what that was? What was it? The Holy Spirit. The Bible says that as soon as you give your life to the Lord, his Spirit comes to live inside of you. No longer are you walking this life alone. No longer are you trying to obey in your own flesh, which is physically impossible. No longer are you on your own path doing your own will. But now, Spirit of the living God lives inside of you, leads and guides and directs your life, and never leaves you nor forsakes you. What an awesome God we serve. Amen? And that's why Peter was, went from a man scared to death to a man used mildly by God. And that's what God wants to do with us, you guys. Amen? He wants to use you mightily. He wants to use you in an awesome and a powerful way. And he can do that, not because you try real hard in your flesh and you get real disciplined. You've got to get real disciplined. No. It's when you die to yourself and you're filled with him instead. The word there for another helper in the Greek means another of the same kind. Someone just like Jesus would take his place. Who is that? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit and the Father and son are all one. The word there is translated parakletos, which means to come alongside. Now who is the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit an essence? No. Let me answer that for you. Nobody was getting real, real bold on that answer. I don't know, is it? I don't know, is it? No. No. The Holy Spirit is a person. Amen? He's the third part of the Trinity. He's a he, he's not an it. He. The Holy Spirit. He. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit has special functions within His Trinity. 
He's represented in the Bible by different symbols, by fire, by a dove, oil, water, the Greek word pneuma. And because of this, he sometimes is misconstrued as being a power or an influence and not a person. But all of God's attributes can be found in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He can be grieved. He can be sinned against. He can reveal and search and evaluate and inflict punishment. But again, his name means comfort, to comfort, to come alongside, to hold us up. Holy Spirit does two things in the life of a believer. He comforts us and he convicts us. When you sin, who is that that's convicting you? Holy Spirit. It's not an essence, okay? It's the Holy Spirit going, don't do that anymore, right? Have you guys, how many of you ever felt that before? Holy Spirit head slap, right? That's what I call it, right? That's why people think I don't have hair back here because of genetics. It's the Holy Spirit's been whooping up on me when I sin, right? But here's the reality. The Holy Spirit loves us so much that he walks with us and he directs us and he comforts us during times of difficulty, but he also convicts us. But he convicts us because he loves us. If I'm going to go play in the freeway, the Holy Spirit's going to go, oh, no, you're not, right? Because he loves me. Amen? And so that's what the Holy Spirit came to do, to strengthen us. And look what it says there, that, you may, that he may abide with you forever. So when are we going to be separated from the Holy Spirit? Never. Ever. Isn't that good? Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He will never leave you. He's never going away. He'll always be with you. Sometimes you're kind of bummed that he's there because he's convicting you like, oh, get out, right? But he's doing it because he loves you. Amen? That's the God that we serve. What a blessing to know. We cannot know Jesus apart from the Spirit, and we cannot know the Spirit apart from Jesus. Look what it says in verse 17. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him or knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Now at this point, when Jesus is talking, the Holy Spirit is just with them. He's not in them. Now we know why Peter blew it around the fire. Because he was by himself. He was doing it in his own strength. Have you ever felt like that before? You're trying to do stuff in your own strength. Impossible. You can't do it. You're game over. You can't. Forget it, right? That's why all of the religions don't work. First of all, they're all false in their lives anyway, but here's another reason they don't work. They don't work because it's all about, you've got to do this. If you can do this, then you're going to heaven. If you can do that, and you know what? I meet Jewish people all the time, and I love them and pray, pray for them, and God bless them, and Jesus came through uh, the, the line of the Jews. But here's the reality. You talk to them, and they say, oh, I must keep 252 laws. I go, how's that working? It's very difficult. It's not difficult. It's impossible. You can't do it. Aren't you glad we're not coming here every week going, okay, here's rule number 219. Let's go over this one again. Write it down. All right. How many failed this week? All right, everybody. All right, well, none of us are going. We better get it better than this next coming week, right? I mean, what a drag. What a bummer to be trying to do things in your own ability, your own will. Your... Praise God he sent another helper who will abide with us forever and who will never leave us, the Spirit of the living God. He's inside of us, and he helps us to do the things that God has called us to do. He actually does it through us. Look at verse 18. I like this verse. If you underline verses, this is a good one. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Orphans don't have anyone, in a sense, quite often, sadly, they don't have a dad who's there. They don't have someone to comfort them. Sometimes they're left alone. But here's the good news. The things that Jesus did in the flesh, teaching, leading, we're going to be able to do that in the Spirit. But we're only able to do that because of this verse. Jesus says, I'm going away but I'm not going to leave you orphans because I'm going to come to you. Now, that would give you a headache. I'm going away, but I'm going to come to you. You just said you're going away. What do you mean you're coming? Let me explain it to you. The first eye is Jesus. Who's the second eye? 
Holy Spirit. I, Jesus, I'm going away. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to go be seated at the right hand of the Father where I'm going to be interceding for you and preparing a mansion for you that I may come to you. Is Jesus in the Spirit one? Absolutely. Very clear here. People say, oh, Jesus never claimed to be God and never claimed to be the Spirit. Here's another verse for you to underline and open up and show the cults when they come by your house. He said, I'm going away that I may come to you. Jesus is going to, the, to heaven that the Spirit may come and live and dwell within us. So, what's the next promise? There's no need to have a troubled heart when you have the very Spirit of God living inside of you. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, let not your heart be troubled. The Spirit of the living God lives inside of you. You're never going to be alone. You could be out on a desert island. Hey, some of you feel like you're alone at work because you're the only Christian. Amen? Some of you feel alone in your neighborhood because you're the only Christian. Do you know you're not alone? Do you know the Spirit of the living God is with you? And He will use you in a mighty and a powerful way. So number one, you're going to heaven. Jesus is all you're ever going to need. You can know the Father right now. God hears and answers our prayers. And you have the Spirit of the living God living inside of you. Verse 19. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I, li uh, I live, you will live also. A little while longer. Jesus is just hours away from the cross. These guys still don't fully get it. He said, the world's going to see me no more. I'm going to be crucified and buried. And I'm going to raise from the dead. I'm going to send back to the Father. But you can still have my love. You can still live because, because I'm going to live inside of you in the person of the Holy Spirit. He said, Jesus didn't tell them that they would have to endure through the coming trials and confusion all by themselves. He showed them as He appeared to them after His resurrection. He's saying, you can trust Me. You can trust My promise. I'm going away, but I'm going to be coming back to you again one day. Verse 20. At that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in Me, and I in you. At that day. I believe there's two fulfillments of that word. At that day you'll know that I'm in the Father, and the Father's in Me, and that I'm in you. The two days, I believe, one was the resurrection. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, we would not be here this morning. Amen? Game over. He would be Muhammad. And Hare Krishna, he'd be all those guys. We talked about this last week. You go to Muhammad's grave, get a shovel out, dig up some bones because they're there. Right? Same thing with Buddha and all these other false religious leaders who've ever come and gone. You go to Jesus' tomb, those of you who go with us next March to Israel, we're going to go stand in the tomb where Jesus was buried and guess what? It's empty. Why? Because he's a risen and living Savior who triumphed over sin and death. Amen? That's the God that we serve. And so we're going to see he's not there anymore. And the good news about that is, is it should strengthen us in our walk today because we know that he's no longer there. And he says, in that day, you will know that I'm in the Father and you in me and I in you. Guess when I believe the ultimate fulfillment of that day is? Pentecost. What happened to these shaking, quivering guys in the upper room? They went from being scared to death to being bold for God. And what happened to them? The Spirit of the living God came to live inside of them. In that day, they knew that, that the Lord was within them. They knew that there were new creations in Christ. You know, that's the greatest confirmation. The Word of God is confirmation of who we are in Christ. There's no doubt. You know, the, the truth of God's Word, historical truth, the archaeological truth of who Jesus is, all those things are true. But the greatest proof to me is that the Spirit of the living God lives inside of me. It's in His Word. It confirms His Word. illuminates His Word to me. And Jesus is one with the Father, and then He sent His Son to die for us, and pay on the, pay, uh, God sent His Son to die for us and pay for us. But when He went away, He sent His Spirit. Jesus reveals the Father, the Spirit points to Jesus. Amen? 
Jesus, when he was here, what did he do all the time? I didn't come for my will, but the will of my Father. Holy Spirit came and says, I came not to glorify myself, but to glorify him. If the Holy Spirit's living inside of us, what should we be doing? Glorifying him. Amen? That's when we know the Spirit's working in and through us. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Verse 21. He who keeps my commandments, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. You know what? I love this. I can't keep his commands. It's impossible. So he dies for me and then sends his spirit to live inside of me. So I can keep his commands. And then he says, when, your spirit, when my spirit's living inside of you and you walk in obedience to me, then you're going to have the love of my Father. So we see the work of the Son, the moving of the Spirit, and the love of the Father. Good stuff. Amen? And that's the God that we serve. He went away. He paid the price. He sent His Spirit to lead and guide and direct us, and then He gives us the love of the Father if we just simply walk in obedience, and He's the one that gives us the ability to do it. What a God we serve. Amen? He does it for us, in a sense, if we will just let Him rule and lead and direct our lives. True love for God will produce a transformed life. As believers, the deeper our love for God grows, the greater we will experience the love of the Father. Salvation means we're going to heaven. Submission means that heaven comes to us. Amen? Salvation means we're going. You're going to heaven. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you're ha-ha heaven bound, as DC Talk would say, right? You're going, that's it. You're in. But submission, I believe, brings heaven to us. We have a greater understanding of God's love and His grace and His mercy when we just say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro among the whole earth, seeking one he can show himself strong on account of. My heart is, Lord, let me be that man. Lord, you're looking for one to, how about, Lord, I, I just, just use me for your glory. I don't care. I don't need anything, Lord. I just need you. I just love you. Just use me. May we all have that heart, amen? The eyes of the Lord, he's looking. He's looking in Santa Cruz. Who can I use? Who can I show myself strong on account of? Who can I give an extra measure of pouring out of my spirit upon that, that I might be glorified? Who's going to use it for my glory, not his own? Who can I use? That's the Lord. He's looking. Lord, use me. That should be worship when we come in here on Sunday morning, amen? Lord, use me. Take my life, Lord. It belongs to you. Let me walk in your strength and not mine. I can't do it. I've tried. It didn't work. That's why I'm here, amen? Lord, help. That's a good prayer, by the way. Lord, help. Spirit with, in, and upon. I must decrease that he might increase. Verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot. I bet he's glad they wrote that next to his name, by the way. I bet, you'd be, I bet that's probably his name the rest of his life. Judas, I need, no, I want, no, not, it wasn't him. No, that ain't me, right? I mean, can you imagine? That's, how many kids people naming their kids Judas these days? And nobody. Because you'd be walking around, Judas, no, 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 I, no, not because I, no. And so this right here, it says, Judas, not Iscariot, so thank you, Lord, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Now, the disciples, still looking for a physical and conquering Messiah, didn't understand how Jesus manifested himself to them and not to the world at the same time. The manifestation would be in a spiritual transformation of those who believe. He's going to show himself to them at the resurrection, but he's also going to transform their lives from the inside out. Amen? I'm going to show you because I'm going to change you. That's how I'm going to manifest myself to you. Verse 23. Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Who's the we there? Who's we? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
He makes our, his home where? Where does the Spirit live today? Right here. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. What an awesome thing to think about. Now the good news is that he never leaves me, but the bad news is, is that he never leaves me. What I mean by that is, you ever been doing stuff and you're like, oh, I brought the Holy Spirit here? Oh, that's not good. <laughs> right? You ever walk into a place and you go, oh, this is, I, I don't belong here. Holy Spirit starts going, oh, no, 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 no. no dude, no. I'm leaving. You better go, go with, right? you know what I mean? And we do that. We drag the Holy Spirit with us wherever we go. Because he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And he's saying, if you love me, we're going to make our house in you. We're going to abide with you. We're going to make our home in you. Verse 24, He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. On the contrary, those who do not walk in obedience to the word of God, who bear no fruit, the love of God is not in them. Jesus, God in the flesh, still submitted completely to the will of the Father. And we too as His children should be doing the same. As followers of Christ, it's comforting to know that Jesus died for us, the Father loves us, and now the Spirit lives in us. Amen? That's the God we serve. But it says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's not, keep my commandments, so I'll love you. Do these 50 good things, then I'll love you. Oh, you didn't do that one yet. I don't love you yet. Forget it. Got to do that other thing, then I'll love you. Parents, do you love your kids just as much when they're blowing it as when they're doing great? Yes, you do. You love them, right? But we respond to our parents because they love us, not so they will love us. And we obey God because He loves us, not so He will love us. Amen? He loves me. I'm going to walk in obedience to Him. But those who do not walk in obedience, the Bible says, the love of God is not in them. You know what? I'm going to be direct. Imagine that. But let me share something with you guys. I believe there's going to be a lot less people in heaven than we think. That's a sad statement. And I don't want to come across like holier than thou because I'm a stinking sinner saved by grace. And this morning I'm just one beggar leading all the other beggars to the bread. Amen? I'm a sinner in desperate need just like anyone else. But here's what I believe. I believe a lot of people think they're Christians because they go to church or because they've done some good things. But you know what? Where's the fruit? Amen? By your fruit they shall know you, the Bible says. It's calling yourself a Christian and going to church on Easter and Christmas or every once in a while and having a dust sitting over the corner of your house that's got 14 pounds of dust on it, your Bible sitting over there covered in dust, and you, and you never share your faith, and you never talk about God, and you don't have a relationship with Him, and you don't worship Him, and you don't pray to Him, and you don't seek His face, and you're not striving for His will, and you're just living your life, but you call yourself a Christian. He says, those who do not keep my words are not my children. Because if you're his kid, you will keep his word. Amen? Your life will be transformed. You will be that new creation in Christ. That won't change, though, by just trying in your own ability. Verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while, you are present, while I'm present with you. I'm getting ready to leave. I'm getting ready to go to the cross. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father sent in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things which I said to you. You know what? If you're a Christian here, you've experienced that before. How many of you, you've read something and two years later you're sharing your faith with somebody and that verse comes right back? How many know what I'm talking about? He says, guys, I'm teaching you right now. I'm getting ready to go away. You're all going to panic. He doesn't tell them that. You're all going to panic. You're all going to run and hide. You're all going to be shaken by the fire, Peter. And you're all going to be scared to death. But guess what? I'm going to still come back to you. I'm going to send a helper to you. And you know what's going to happen? Everything I've taught you these last three years that you didn't get, once you have the Holy Spirit, you're going to go, oh, I get it. How many of you read the Bible before you were a Christian? You're like, 
what is this all about? Have you ever done that, right? And then you, you get saved and you start, oh, I get it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit illuminates the truth of God to us. And so he's saying, look, guys, I'm going away, but I'm sending a helper, and he's going to bring to your remembrance all that I've taught you, and you're going to understand. The world cannot understand apart from the Spirit. And peace is of war and distress. He's going to tell them, I'm going to bring you guys peace. Look at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let you be afraid. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be troubled. Why? Because God's with us. If God is for me, who can be against me? Amen? Nothing to fear. Nothing to be anxious about. Nothing to worry. Peace I leave with you. I'm going away, guys. You can't go. But I'm going to leave you with peace. I'm going to send you another helper. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to help you live the Christian life. What an awesome God we serve. For the Christian, here's what true peace is God-given joy and contentment that we can enjoy even in the midst of trials and difficulties because of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. The world says peace is when everything's perfect in my life. Then they don't have peace very often. Amen? You know, peace is the absence of all problems. For Christians, the peace is the fact that the Lord is with us in the midst of the greatest problems. Amen? That's peace. How, I don't understand why you have peace. Your, your son's in critical condition. You know what? The Lord's with me. It's okay. I'm praying for my son, but God's okay. It's, it's okay. God loves me. Praise God. That's the God we serve. Peace he leaves with us. In the world, peace is something you, you hope for or you work for, but as Christians, praise God, he gives us peace. Who's the Prince of Peace? Jesus. Only way you can have peace is to know the Prince of Peace. What an awesome and a great God we serve. Verse 26. P, or 28, excuse me. You've heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. You know what's awesome about this? Is he's saying to them, I'm going away, but if, if you truly were getting it, guys, if you heard what I said and you truly loved me, you'd be rejoicing that I'm going away. Hey, guys, if, if I go to heaven before you, na 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 no. Now, if I go to heaven before you, have a party, please. Please. Why? Because where I am is way better. Amen? Amen? It's way better. Funerals for Christians should not be a dirge. Oh, oh what a dirge. And now we grieve because we're going to miss people, but what a joy to know that my grandparents are hanging out with Almighty God this morning. Amen? Amen. What a blessing. What a privilege. What a joy. And the same thing is being said here. He's saying, look, guys, if you knew where I was going, you wouldn't be weeping, you'd be rejoicing. If you understood that my going to the cross was going to allow all of mankind to have a relationship with God the Father, you wouldn't be weeping, you'd be rejoicing. What a blessing. What a joy. These guys didn't get it, so they were weeping. Last couple of verses. And now I've told you before it comes that when it does come, you may believe. You know, how many times did the Lord tell me he was going to the cross? Over and over and over. And, and he told me he was going to be arrested. He told me he was going to be beaten. He told me he was going to be mocked. He told me that he was going to the Father. And when it happened, they all act surprised. Have you ever noticed that? These are the apostles, too, not the B-apostles, right? These are the apostles. And, they, and it happens, they're like, oh, how did this happen? And, you know, the thing, same thing happens in our life. God gives us clear wisdom and direction and instruction for our lives, and then we're blown away when God does something. How did this happen? I told you guys, in this world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. Then difficulties come and you go, man, I'm having tribulation. Did I tell you in the world you were going to have tribulation? Were you paying attention when I gave you the Bible? Were you listening to what I said? And the apostles missed it because God's telling them very clearly. 
We grieve, but not as those without hope. We should be comforted in knowing that Jesus went away, that he might send his spirit to us. And when difficulties happen in life, we need to know that God is faithful, that he loves us, and he goes with us. Last two verses. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. I want you to see that. Next couple weeks, we get to the crucifixion and the arrest of Jesus. Did Jesus know they were about to arrest him? Yeah. And he went to the garden anyway, didn't he? Oh, they're going to arrest me. We better get to the garden because they're going to be showing up to arrest me. We better get down there. Seriously. Jesus knew they were coming. By the way, when we get to Israel, you're going to see that Garden of Gethsemane is up on a hill. Jerusalem, you go down the valley, and these guys are coming at night carrying torches. Hundreds of soldiers. Do you think Jesus saw them coming? Coming up with torches, right? And he's like, oh, here they come. But he knew it's okay. They didn't arrest Jesus. He arrested them. Amen? He laid down his life freely. He gave it up freely. No one took him anywhere. He laid down his life. And I'm sharing this with you because we're about to take communion. You know, Jesus died that you and I might have eternal life. No one took it from him. He laid it down freely because he loves Dave Johnston. That blows my mind. For God so loved, I write my name in John 3.16. You should do that. For God so loved Joe. For God so loved Justice. For God so loved, put your name there. You look at it, oh, God loves me. He would have died just for you. And as we're about to take communion right now, we're looking back to that work on the cross, the price that he paid that we might have eternal life. And then it says in verse 31, but the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me command, so do. Arise, let us go from here. The next two chapters we're going to see in the next couple of weeks, he's going to be going down the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's going to be walking with his guys on the way to his arrest, and he's going to just keep on teaching them. So here's the promises we have, guys, if you're taking notes. Number one, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be dismayed. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. Rule no, promise number one, you're going to heaven. Amen? How many of you going to heaven? Raise your hand. Isn't that good? And if you're not going, we could take care of that right now. Number two, Jesus is all you're ever going to need. You don't realize that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Amen? And sometimes it needs to get to the point where Jesus is all you have so you'll see that Jesus is all you need. Amen? Sometimes we need to get, lose some of the stuff of the world that's getting our eyes off of Him. Number three, you can know the Father right now. You mean, I can know God the Father? Yeah, you can. Not far away, distant God, loving Heavenly Father. God hears and answers prayer. When you pray in Jesus' name, according to His will, He hears you and you're drawn into His presence. Number five, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Don't ever feel lonely again. Amen? Because you're not alone. He'll never leave you. Number six, you have the love of the Father, and then lastly, you can have peace. Elvis Presley said this. Elvis Presley said, I will give up all my fame, all my fortune, everything I have for 15 minutes of peace. Because you can be wealthy, you can be famous, you can be popular, you can be uh, a rock and roll icon, you can be a great athlete, you can have all these other things that the world wants to have, and you won't have peace if you don't have Jesus. Amen? You know what? I don't have Elvis' money, and I don't have his fame, and I don't want it. But I'll tell you what I do have. I have peace. Because I'm walking with the Prince of Peace. He's my best friend. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your love and your grace, and we thank you for your promises. The same promises that you gave to the apostles, Lord, hours before your crucifixion, are promises that apply to every person in this room. Lord, we thank you that we're going to heaven, that we can know you in an intimate and a personal way. We have the love of the Father, the Spirit of the living God living inside of us. What a blessing. 
And Father, I just pray if there's anybody here right now that does not know that peace, that Father has been trying to do things their own way, and, and Lord, you brought them here this morning by divine appointment. Lord, even before we take communion, that's for your children. Lord, I pray that there would be a moment right now that you adopt yet another orphan into your family, that you adopt yet another person who doesn't know you into your family to become one of your children. And with every head bowed, I, and I do this because I want you to be praying and examining your own heart. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? It means that you know that you're a sinner and you need a Savior and you believe that Jesus paid the price for you. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. In Romans 10, 9, it says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, but you've heard his word and his Holy Spirit has just drawn you, you say, you know what, I want to know for sure that I'm going to heaven. I want those promises to apply to me. I want the Spirit of living God living inside of me. It's real simple, just to pray a simple prayer of, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, forgive me, come into my life, and he will. If you're here this morning, I just want, again, you confess him before men, he'll confess you before his Father in heaven. If you're here this morning, you've never done that, and you want to do that right now, people here are praying for you, just raise your hand. Raise your hand right now. Confess him before men, he'll confess you before his Father in heaven. Is there anybody at all? Anybody at all? The Lord loves you guys. Don't leave earth without him. Amen? He loves you. We're going to take communion now, and let's just pray for that. Heavenly Father, I pray for this time of communion, Lord, and I pray that as everyone here is at least making the statement that they know you. I pray, Father God, that during this time we would do it in remembrance of the cross. Lord, we thank you for that work that you did. Lord, may we examine our own hearts, Lord. I ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Real quick, we're going to take communion now. The worship team's going to...